what a good day it is to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Man, gathered together with the saints. I appreciate Pastor David and the whole praise team leading us in songs that preach Jesus. Amen. Amen. Look, hey, I may be up here in the pulpit right now, but when we sing, guess what you get to do? That is preaching to one another. If you sit there silent, how dare you? Amen. Preach, sing to one another, encourage one another, build one another up that we might be in step with the Holy Spirit this morning. And I pray to God that you came ready to see God move. If you came in these doors this morning without Christ as your Savior, you have no hope in the world but Him. And I want to just take a moment to say that the God the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of the foundations of the world has moved heaven and earth that he might save your soul. And I pray this morning that every person under the sound of my voice would turn from sin and trust Christ as Savior and Lord. God saved me when I was 17 years old. I've been following him now for 20 some years. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to, to add and subtract there. All right? And he's never failed me. Amen? Amen? Never failed me. And I promise you this he will not fail you. If he is not your Savior, then I pray that today you would turn from sin and trust in Christ. Grab your copy of God's Word. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now, if you were to ask, who is the most elite fighting force in America's military, there would probably be a pretty good debate, maybe between the Army's Delta Force and the Navy's SEAL Team 6. Both units are actually under the Joint Special Operations Command, or JSOC. Both units are filled with the most highly skilled, highly motivated, best warriors in America. The process of joining both of those units is very intense, very selective. Both units have the most sophisticated equipment and they're highly trained in close quarters combat, hostage rescue, high value targets, and other specialized operations. Both are equally capable of executing all of the specialized missions that JSOC has tasked them with. So I'm not sure which one is more elite. I'm just thankful they're both on our side. Amen? <laughs> but as elite as these fighting forces are, there are moments in combat when they, even they, need to call in some help. And often the best help comes from above when they call in close air support. Now, close air support is, is a military tactic. It's, a, it's air to ground actions by military aircraft against hostile targets on the ground that are in close proximity to friendly forces. In other words, the enemy is not far from you. Perhaps the standard over the years for close air support has become the AC-130 gunship, commonly called the angel of death the latest you can see on your screen right there that is the ac-130j officially called the ghost rider and it's loaded to the teeth 
It, it boasts an armament, uh, armament that includes precision strike packages which have 30 millimeter automatic side firing machine guns that can shoot up to 625 rounds per minute. It has a 105 millimeter howitzer cannon. It has all of these it has all of these standoff precision guided munitions like small diameter bombs, small glide munitions, hellfire missiles, even Griffin missiles. And come in this summer, come in this summer, it will even have an airborne high energy laser added to the armament. That's what that green thing is shooting from it, man. I mean, this is like some Star Wars stuff. For special operators like Delta Force and SEAL Team 6 in a stalemate or a losing gunfight, the AC-130J, it's a lifesaver as it clears out all the enemy right before their eyes. You see, beloved, listen, even special operators need help from above. But beloved, I want to say to you this morning that so do we, so does every single person. You see, in this battlefield that we call life, we face obstacles, we face foes every day that we cannot fight alone. We need, so to speak, close air support. And praise God that God is always just a prayer away, ready to give us exactly what we need. And believe me, he's mightier than even the AC-130J and way more effective. This morning, as we continue in our After God's Own Heart series, we're gonna turn our attention to this truth this morning. Here's today's takeaway. It's this. To be a church after God's own heart, we must seek His provision by seeking Him in prayer. We must seek His provision by seeking Him in prayer you see prayer is the link to the power of God amen it's the link to the power of God I, I've often heard people say over the years that prayer is powerful but let me just set the record straight y'all prayer is not powerful you're like what, what? is he speaking heresy here guys prayer is a cry for help isn't it that's what prayer is. Prayer is a, a cry for help. What cry for help is ever powerful? No, prayer is not powerful. Listen, the God who hears that prayer and brings his omniscience to bear and his omnipotence and all that he is because of that prayer, that's who's powerful. That's what's powerful. And so it's a link not only to the power of God, it is a link to the power of God, but not only the power of God. Here, here's what you need to understand this morning is that it's also a link to the heart of God. Prayer is a link to the heart of God. And if we're gonna be a church and a people after God's own heart, then we must seek his provision by seeking him in prayer. We all need his help from above. And we're gonna take our text today from Philippians 4, verses four through seven. So I wanna invite you this morning to stand to honor the reading of God's word. Just 
Four verses here today. The word of God says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Let's ask him to help us this morning. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you and we ask God that you would open your word, not just, we have the pages open, Lord. It's on the screens, but I, I pray that you would open their insight to us this morning, God. I ask that every person under the sound of my voice would not only understand and learn what your word says here, but I pray, Father, that they would love what they hear, that they would, as the text here says, rejoice in what they hear. And then it would cause them to live differently, Lord. I pray it would hit us as a church. God, this series, we're not just focusing on the individual, we're, we're focusing on the corporate body of Christ here at Collinsville First Baptist Church. And so God, I pray that it would impact us, that our church life would be different because of what we read here. So Father, we pray you would move in our midst. It's in Jesus' name we ask this and all God's people said, well, amen. So beloved, seek God's provision by seeking him in prayer. And I wanna share with you three truths from our text to help you and me to do that, all right? First, I want you to seek God's provision by seeking him in prayer because when our hearts seek God's heart in prayer, the peace that fills his heart will fill our heart. That's the first reason. The peace that fills his heart will fill our heart. You see, our text here is calling us to pray. What is prayer? What is that? Some unknown author once wrote, prayer is coming into the presence of God. Prayer is entering the throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Prayer is taking our concerns to the one who cares for me. Prayer is to stand on holy ground. Prayer is communicating with the creator of the world, the one who spoke the world into existence with a word, mountains, oceans, stars. Prayer, he continued, is a child talking to his or her father. Prayer is bringing our hurts to the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Prayer is seeking out our Redeemer. It's crying out to the rock that's higher than we are. Prayer is calling out to the only one who can save us. Prayer is touching the one who loves us with an unfailing and quenchable love, unquenchable love. Prayer is bringing our questions to the one who has the answers. He continues. He ain't done yet. Prayer is reaching out to the never tired, never confused, never afraid or taken by surprise God. Prayer is connecting our lives with the all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful King of Kings. And finally, he says this, prayer is coming near to God. That's what prayer is. 
is. And when you come near to something, guess what? Their attitudes and their behaviors will rub off on you. Haven't you found that to be true? When you hang around people, you begin to act like those who are around you, right? The ones that you surround yourself with, you even, you even become to look like people who are around you. You begin to use their same facial expressions. Oh, people are in trouble who ever hang out around Robbie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you begin to imitate their facial expressions, their body motions. You even begin to use their same phrases and, and take on their thought patterns. Well, check this out. As you draw near to God, guess what? Listen, you begin to realize that God does a lot of things, but one thing that you will never catch being in God's presence is worry and anxiety. Listen, he is the least worried, least anxious being in existence. And to say that is actually an understatement because he ain't worried or anxious at all. He's the God of perfections. And one of those perfections is perfect peace. God has perfect peace. He's not wringing his hands. He's not pacing back and forth. He's not biting his nails. He's not sighing with stress. No, perfect peace. Why? Well, because he perfectly knows the future. Right? He knows the end from the beginning, the Bible tells us, right? He is what theologians call omniscient. He is all-seeing, all-knowing. But to be more precise than that, he is theologically what we call prescient, pre-seeing, pre-knowing. He knows what will happen long before it happens. He knows the future, beloved. So he's not anxious. He's not worried. Isn't that the bulk of what you and I worry about? What, what's tomorrow going to hold? How will I do on this test? What will that person think of me? How, how will I perform in this project on my job? What is my wife going to say when I get home? What is my husband going to say when he finds out I did this, right? We worry and we're anxious because we don't know the future. But God takes it a step further. Not only does he perfectly know the future, listen to this. Our God, scripture tells us, perfectly shapes the future. Where you and I, we just have to take what comes. God speaks into existence his will on the earth. He perfectly works all things, the scripture says, after the counsel of his perfect will. He perfectly does all that he pleases, right? He is the least frustrated being in existence, right? Along with being the least anxious and the least worried, he's the least frustrated because everything he wills to happen comes to pass. Nothing can thwart almighty God, I'm here to tell you this morning, beloved, he, he won't lose, he won't quit, he won't abdicate, he won't vacillate. And because of all of this, God is at perfect peace within his heart. But I want you to look at the promise that's found in our text today. 
Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 here in particular. You see, when we seek his heart through prayer, here's what we're going to find out. Scripture says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, here it is, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, seek the heart of God in prayer. And look what happens, verse seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Another way of saying that, y'all, is that when you seek God's heart in prayer, the peace that fills his heart will fill your heart. And it's not just peace. I mean, peace is good. <laughs> but this is what I like to call crazy peace. This is crazy peace. It's peace that surpasses all understanding. It's, it's peace that doesn't make sense given the circumstances. It's peace that is naturally inexplicable. There was a man who was in search of a perfect picture of peace. And so he announced a contest to produce this masterpiece. He wanted someone to paint this. It would be a contest and the challenge. It stirred the imagination of artists everywhere and paintings arrived from far and wide. And finally, he chose what he believed to be the picture of perfect peace. And as people looked at it, they were like, what in the world? This picture is far from a picture of perfect peace. You see, in the painting that was chosen, it had a raging waterfall crashing down a rocky precipice. Stormy gray clouds filled the sky and they were exploding with lightning and wind and rain. And there on the precipice of that waterfall was this spindly tree that clung to the rocks at the edge of the hill. But in the midst of that tree, a robin nested there in the elbow of a branch with her eyes peacefully closed and her wings covering over her little ones. Beloved, that painting perfectly captures peace that surpasses all understanding. You see what I'm saying? peace that surpasses all understanding. It's not based on your circumstances. It's not based on your diagnosis. It's not based on your bank account. It's not based on the, the obedience of your children. It's not based on your performance in that athletic event or the classroom. The peace that surpasses all understanding is crazy peace because if you were to look around, you would say there is no peace. But internally, there is peace because God has extended you peace into your heart. Guys, that's the kind of peace that is in God's heart. And when you seek after God's heart in prayer, this is the kind of peace that extends to you as an individual and extends to us, the church. So church, what have we to worry about? What, what do we have to be anxious about? The God with inexplicable peace extends his peace to us if we'll only seek his heart. Second, 
I'm gonna call you this morning to seek God's provision by seeking him in prayer because God and his heart are near and accessible. God and his heart are near and accessible. I wonder as you try to picture God, we all try to imagine God, don't we? And when you imagine God, where is he? Is he way up there? Beyond the clouds, even into outer space, maybe even beyond our solar system, maybe even beyond the Milky Way galaxy, maybe even beyond this universe. Do you picture him as far away? Well, don't miss what it says right in verse five here at the very end of verse five, Philippians 4, 5. The Lord is what, church? Everybody say, at hand. At hand. That's right. He's at hand. That means that he is near, that he's close, that he's imminent, that his response time is immediate. Now, help me out here. If you were in an emergency, what number should you call? What number is it? 911. That's right. But did you know that if you were to call 911, the average time it would take between you hanging up with the operator and that ambulance or that fire truck or that police officer pulling into your driveway and into your house is eight minutes. Now, some of y'all say, no, no, it's 80. (laughs) You've been there, you've done that, right? But the average in America is eight minutes. Now, I've got to say that's actually pretty good. That, that's much lower than I expected. Eight minutes is pretty doggone good. But beloved, when you cry out to God, <laughs> it doesn't take eight minutes. It's right now. It's right now. It's immediate. Why? Because he is at hand. You can just reach out and touch him, so to speak. Apostle Paul told us in Acts 17, 27 that God is actually not far from each of us. He's at hand. And as the people of God and as the nation of God, as Deuteronomy 4, 7 tells us, for what great nation is there that has a God so near as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call up on him. Beloved, he is at hand. Or Psalm 145, verse 18. The scripture declares there that the Lord is near to all of us who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He's near. He's near to us actually because he is with us. You see, wherever you go, y'all, God is there. Theologically, this is what we call omnipresence. He's everywhere. And as God promised Jacob in 2815, when he said, behold, I'm with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. I will not leave you until I've done all I have promised you. 
that extends to you and me. And as God promised Joshua in Joshua 1, 9, he said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go or wherever you go. Beloved, the Lord is at hand because he is with us. He's personally accessible. But you know what also? It's not just him. It's not just his person. It's also his heart. His heart is accessible as well. He's, he's not hidden his heart from us. He's revealed in living colors, hasn't he, throughout history? Recorded it right here in the Bible. If you want to see God's heart, open the book and see God's heart. He, he's, he's revealed it to us. But you know what else? We don't just have the Bible to access God's heart. We also have prayer. When we pray to God, we have access to the heart of God. And as God invited Jeremiah and the children of Israel, in Jeremiah 33, verse two and three, so he invites us. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Yahweh is his name. Call on me, he says, and I'll answer you. And I'll give you great and hidden things that you have not known. Beloved, his heart is open and accessible to us. In fact, I love the heart of God that's revealed in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 is an invitation for us to seek his heart. Not just his provisions, but his heart. He says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it'll be opened. Or which one of you? Here's where the heart comes in. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if a, he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who's in heaven give good things to those who seek him beloved God loves you God loves you his heart is good toward you he will give us all good things. Even as God told the people of Judah in Jeremiah 29, 11, as they were heading into exile in Babylon, God extends this same heart to us. For I know the plans I have for you, God said. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. That is God's covenantal love toward us who are the people of God in Christ Jesus. That's God's heart for us. 
And so you may be thinking, well, <laughs> what difference does this make? And here's the answer. Check this out. It makes all the difference in the world when seeking his provision in prayer. Here's why. It makes all the difference in the world, this truth about God, his heart for us, it makes all the difference in the world when we seek him in prayer for his provision. And here's why, because here's what it means. He will not hold back any good thing that you and I need. Nothing will be held back. You say, how do you know? <laughs> well, Apostle Paul says we know because he's already given us the greatest thing he could give us in Christ Jesus, right? And if he's given us Christ Jesus, the greatest thing, surely he'll give us that little thing, right? Look at what it says in Romans 8, verse 32. God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Beloved, he in his heart, all that he has, all that he is, is near and accessible to us. And that's why here in our text, Philippians 4, 4 can call us to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice, he said. We can rejoice and we can give with thanksgiving and all the things that the text says here because he'll hold nothing back to those who are his, to those on whom he's fixed his love, on whom he's given his promises. That's the God that we are praying to. And so if you'll seek his heart, you will find his heart. It's near, it's accessible, it's with us. Finally this morning, I wanna encourage you to seek God's provision by seeking him in prayer because finally, so that, the, so that we can then act with bold confidence in the Lord right? Act with bold confidence in the Lord. Look, this is actually implied in the text. You're not going to find a command to go live this out, so to speak, but it's right there in the text. It's implied in the text here. If you're going to call on God to do something, then act like he's going to do it. Prayer is not a call to passivity. Let me say that again. Prayer is not a call to passivity. It is a call to activity empowered by God's provision. So beloved, pray boldly. Pray as if he hears you. Pray as if he cares. Pray as if he can do all things. Pray as if you have nothing to fear with God on your side. Pray without ceasing. Why? Because he does hear. He does care. He can do all things. And you have nothing to fear if God's on your side. Amen? nothing to fear that's why it says right here look back at the text verse 6 in everything let me say that again in everything insert whatever your everything is in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God 
And then once you have prayed, what do you do? You act. As boldly as you prayed, go act boldly. We saw this in the life of David, didn't we? We saw this in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, didn't we? We saw this in the life of Daniel. We saw this in the life of Peter and John. We saw this in the life of Paul, but most importantly, we saw this in the life of Jesus, who there on the eve of his arrest, on the night before his crucifixion, bowed in prayer there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he prayed so fervently. He prayed so boldly that the Bible says that he sweat either drops of blood, totally possible, or like drops of blood. Either way, he was fervent in prayer. Fervent in prayer. And then guess what he did? He got up and he acted boldly all the way to the cross of Calvary that he might act out in boldness what he had just prayed in boldness. And I pray, Father, I pray that the Father would see that in your life and my life as well. You know, beloved William Carey, the great missionary, he once called us to do this. He called us to expect great things from God and to attempt great things from God. That's the quote that we all know him for, one of the quotes we all know him for. And I know he would say this, it's not in the quote, but I would add this. If we're gonna expect great things from God and attempt great things from God, then we must pray in great ways for God's great provision, amen? That's right. If you wanna expect great things and attempt great things, then you must pray in great ways for God's great provision. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he once said this. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And I wanna say the same thing is true for the church. It's true for the individual Christian, but it's true for the church as well. Show me a church that doesn't pray and I'll show you a church that's dead. And so I'm calling us. I'm calling us as individuals. I'm calling us as a church to be a church after God's own heart. We must seek his provision by seeking him in prayer. Here's my final prayer this morning. May this place be a place of prayer and may this people be a people of prayer.